Welcome to Warrensville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Scharf, and I'm very excited to tell you about this new episode. It features Albert Ratner of Forest City Realty Trust, and he's essentially a portal into the past of this city because of the development his company did here in the uh, 50s and 60s. And the genesis of this episode is basically that uh, as the director of communications, I'm privy to different information and I learned that the mayor ha enjoys a very nice relationship with Albert and I sort of pursued that and that's when he told me uh, what was going on long ago with Forest City and uh, I thought he Albert would be a great guest he's a real treasure for this community and I think what you will take away from this episode is a better understanding of the development of the Clarkwood estates and townhomes as well as um, some knowledge about how a, a major company in this town got started, you know, how it got off the ground starting back in the 30s, and um, how a family does that, how a family works together. So there's a lot of personal history here as well. So please enjoy this episode with my guest, Albert Ratner. Okay, well, I'd like to welcome you, Albert Ratner, to the podcast. You are the, uh, well, tell me your title with Forest City, presently, because uh, it's evolving. Right, I am presently the uh, former chairman of the board and CEO of Forest City Enterprises, which I've been doing now since 1951, so it's a long time. Okay, this is a company with a long history in the city of Cleveland. Um, and you are my guest because you your company did uh, quite a bit of, well, a, a bit of development in Warrensville Heights. We were partners uh, with Jack Goldberg and his family, which are now the Goldberg Companies, and Forest City did a lot of development, a lot of early development uh, in Warrensville Heights. It was one of the uh, first major, would kind of call it a semi-mixed-use project. So tell me specifically where your properties are. So our properties basically, uh, the first property is Clockwood Estates, and that's located on uh, Emory and Richmond, and that was a very large housing development. We then went over... And what the, year was that? That, that year would have been um, probably in the mid-50s, 56 we probably started, that was basically single family units. And after that, uh, the first apartment project we did was in 60. And that was called Banbury Courts. Okay. And then uh, the freeway was coming in, so we finished Banbury Courts. Banbury Courts originally was 374 and then it could have been 500. We started that 500 units, units? Okay. apartment units. and sold some office condominiums. And then uh, we did in 63, Clockwood North, which turned out to be off of Emory Road. Was that off of, on Walford? That the yeah, development? that area. And uh, it was on the, the freeway came and took our land. So we Four went north, uh, so we're on both sides of the freeway. We're talking about 480. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that was in 1963. Mm -hmm. And then we did Granada, uh, which was 1969, that was 963, almost 1,000 units. So between them, we probably have done uh, 
maybe 1,700 apartments and a whole bunch of houses. That's impressive. Um, why, how, why did you choose this area? What was going on at that time? Well, at, at that time, the war ended in 48 and not much housing had started. And the housing that started, uh, actually the war ended in 45, but by the time the troops came home, the guys came home and you started building, it may have been in 48. And most of what you built on were existing blank lots that had been developed prior to the Depression, but were never used from the time when they were developed. The Depression started in 1929, till maybe uh, <laughs> 1949. So you were using existing land where the people weren't able to pay the taxes and they came up for sheriff's sale. So what happened was we were using existing lots and almost nobody was improving land because there was no necessity to because you had all this vacant land. And we had a lumber customer by the name of Jack Goldberg who came into our office and um, wanted to buy some vacant land and develop it, which we had just started doing development at that time. We'd started out in Willowick at that time. I'm not sure I knew where Warrensville Heights was at that time because there was Cleveland Heights was not full, South Euclid was not full, Lyndhurst wasn't full. And uh, Jack came in to visit my father and uncle. I was um, out of college in 1951. So he came in and uh, he presented the deal to us. My father and uncle were there, and of course, I didn't understand what money was, because uh, I was just starting out in business. You could have told me it was a dollar, five hundred dollars, or five hundred. I didn't know the difference, and we had a conversation. My dad and uncle, I am told by Larry, Jack's son, that um, they didn't like it, but the recollection was that Clarkwood Estates actually cost us a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what that is in today's dollars. Was that a good deal? In today's dollars, it would be millions. Okay, but was that a good... It sounds well, expensive. Well, it was a good deal and a bad deal. It was a good deal because the price was right, but nobody developed, so okay. nobody knew what it was. Okay. And Jack said, I have the, I can put the money in, but I'm more comfortable if we have a partner. Okay. So we had the meeting, and my dad said to me, well... I think it's a lot of money and the guy wants cash. Nobody wants cash. You ought to go to see him. <laughs> so Jack and I went down to Clark Machinery, I think was on Superior. And we were in the car and saying, nobody can want $100,000 in cash. It does. There's no such thing. And we sat down with Mr. Clark, who was just a wonderful gentleman. And we got back in the car after me and said, can you believe this? We went to see Mr. Clark to try to get him to sell us the land on terms, and we not only paid him the price he wanted, $100,000, but we named the whole thing after him. Mm -hmm. And well, that's where Clarkwood came from. Interesting, so he, what was his position? What did he, he owned a machinery company. A machinery, okay. And somehow he had this land, I don't remember how he had it. So what were the terms? It wasn't the cash up front, it was over it was time? cash up front. Oh. And we see. paid the cash up front, and we started to develop the housing. 
and my recollection is Bill Rasek was the mayor. I could be wrong, but most of what we did, we did uh, with Mayor Rasek. So we started the housing, and then in 1960, uh, Jack called again, and we went out and looked at this piece of land that was located off of Miles, uh, which became Banbury, um, and then Clarkwood North. We, do, we then started to brand everything after Clark. So everything became Clarkwood, including the stuff we built in other cities. So we had a bunch of apartments in um, Willoughby Hills that were also named Clarkwood. So that was the origin of both the housing and the uh, apartments that we have. And still, uh, uh, Goldberg still owns, maintains the ownership and manages those apartments. So if you think of it, those apartments are 68 years, they've been around for a long time. That's when things were built it's, really well. You have yeah, cinder black walls that you can't see, hear so anyone. We started in 60, 40, so they're almost 60 years old, mm -hmm. the first of them. And how do, well did they sell at the beginning? Well, they weren't for sale, they were all for rental. Oh, okay. well, so I, the housing in yeah. Clarkwood sold extremely well. Mm -hmm. And the history of the way the housing generally works is you build, if you have a lot of lots in one place, uh, you develop it over time. So the first houses and lots you sell usually are the cheaper ones. And then as time goes on, you develop the larger houses. So if you look at Clarkwood Gardens, the smaller houses were the first houses, and then you develop the bigger houses in the last sections of Clarkwood Estates. That's and that a, was the housing. That's a great business model. Did you come up with that? Or no, was that it's a just stand, a way. An industry standard? Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, when I started out in business in the 50s, 1951, nobody had really done any real building since 1929 okay. till the end of the war. So you couldn't go by what had happened because it was a totally different time. You had GIs that came home, that went to college, that never thought they would be there. The first housing that we built, actually my brother-in-law Sam and I built, I was in the Army, but he built it, was in Maple Heights on Raymond and Watson. And those houses, if I remember right, I think the first one sold for $4,900. And they were story and a half mm -hmm. houses, uh, and you could finish the the third floor, and it was nothing down. The GIs had GI loans, so it was, if you were a veteran, you put nothing down, and it only cost forty five hundred dollars. By the time I remember what Clarkwood sold for, but uh, it wasn't fifty, I don't believe. Okay, you say when time. you started that with your brother in law Sam, that was Sam Miller. Yes, Sam Miller. Who had a position with the company. Well, he actually started, he had gotten out of the Navy. Mm -hmm. And at that time, he didn't join the company. Uh, he joined the family, and he was building the houses with me, although I was in the Army. And uh, he was building the houses. We, we built 236 houses um, in maybe 18 months built and sold because there was an enormous demand for housing. Wow. And at that time, the housing was basically segregated in a sense. 
in that I don't think we sold one house to anybody that wasn't white. I think that was also through a Clarkwood. The city of Cleveland at that time had almost 950,000 people in it. Wow. And it's now down to four, less than 400,000 people. So over time, people left the city mm -hmm. and you started to get the suburbs that were built that people never heard of, didn't know the name of, had no idea where they were. Uh, we should mention a few th things about the company that I, I just found this interesting. Um, that initially you found opportunity when there was the housing boom to build garages. Well, that was, that was a little different. The company started in the 20s when automobiles became viable and nobody had garages. Right. So my father and some of the family owned a couple of creameries. And the eldest brother, Charles, who brought the family out from Europe, he had come here earlier. From Poland. From Poland, from Bialystok. Um, he was in the garage business. And he said to my dad, you know, there are four guys in the garage business. I'm doing about a third of the business. If you join us, there'll be five. We could do as much as half of the business. <laughs> so my father and mother... Um, Your father's Leonard. Were, was Leonard. Uh, married and he went into the garage business and when they sold their first garage it was very late at night and it was a 20 by 20 garage and the um, my mom and dad said to me that they were asked what direction the rafters went in the in the garage and they told them but they didn't know which way the rafters or went so horizontal they spent or vertical. <laughs> most of the night uh, walking around the <laughs> the neighborhood to see if they could find a 20 by 20 garage and then they found out it could go either direction because that's the way the garage because it was a square. Mm -hmm. So started in the garage business, went into the lumber business, uh, built a few houses uh, and when the war ended, uh, during the war lumber was rationed. Hmm. So there was not a lot of lumber business. When the war ended, uh, if a builder could get a l lumber, they could make a lot of money. And they could charge a lot of money for the house. And my father and uncle figured out that that doesn't work well for them because you don't sell a lot of lumber because there are not a lot of houses. Because people would just build a few houses and make a lot of money. So they bought lots in um, Maple, Maple Heights, and they try to get builders to build on those lots, but because a builder was limited to how much they would make, no builder wanted to build. So Sam Miller had just come out of the Navy, mm. and my dad said to Sam, go, we have these lots, uh, somebody should be digging a hole, and Sam went out there and nobody was digging a hole. I said, nobody's out here, what do I do? He says, find somebody to dig a hole. <laughs> and Sam got into that business. So Where did I, he find someone to dig a hole? Well, you know, there were guys that were digging some basements. Okay. But nobody, that was more houses at one time than anybody built mm -hmm. uh, in 1946. So we built those houses. And then what happened with the company was we made a determination we'd go into the land business and sell people both land and lumber. 
So a lot of the large builders started out as carpenters or bricklayers or GIs who came out of the service. And every GI that came out of the service, we would um, give two lots and two jobs of lumber on credit. And that's how the, how the, that piece of the business uh, really boomed. The other piece of that was that at that time, the survivors of the Holocaust were coming back. And a lot of them I worked with because I unloaded boxcars in boxcars unloading lumber. But this is one of the jobs that a lot of the people who became very successful started with when they came to this country. Unloading boxcars. Unloading boxcars of lumber. And then what did they move on to? Oh, they, uh, one of them became Jack's Deli. Uh, they became very large builders. They became everything. I mean, you look at the whole group of them, most of them are now gone. Mm -hmm. uh, they were very successful real estate people. But you uh, gave them a start, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, the Jepka family, for example. Yeah. Gave the first lots to, and there were a whole series of pearl different people to the Pearl family. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of a lot of the, of the activity that took place. Of course, there were some old established builders who built very little during the whole Depression who then became bigger developers and builders. Did the Van Swergens figure into that? I'm sorry? The Van Swergens, were they? Well, the Van Swergens at that time were, had been in bankruptcy in, uh, I think it was 39, sometime in the 30s. So what was less of the Van Swearingen were pretty much a lot of developed land that would come up. And then they had a large piece of land on Richmond Road and um, it was on Richmond Road in Fairmont. And we bought that land together with Al Levin uh, from the Kangaser family who had taken it over from the Van Swearingen's. And we built all of the houses um, in Fairmont Park Estates all along Richmond Road and along Fairmont Park. Okay, so that's in Beechwood. Um, so I do know you named two streets after your children. Yeah, we, we had the, one of the good things about this job, if yeah. you were a father, you, get you could, to, got to name the streets. So in Beechwood, all the streets except two are cities around London. Okay. And a two of my two kids. Right. Did 65 and 61 now, Debbie and Brian. Right, Brian Drive and Deborah. Did you name any streets in Warrensville Heights after family members? I know there's a Joyce. Uh, Joyce, Joyce was Jack's daughter. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so yeah, we, we took advantage of <laughs> okay. expanding our, yes. our family tree. Okay. Uh, one thing that I was sort of tickled by, um, you told me you went to, when we spoke earlier, uh, you went to Michigan State University and you have a degree in forestry. Is right, that my degree is in lumber merchandising and lighthouse construction, but it's not lighthouse yeah. on the water. Yeah. It just meant it wasn't tall buildings, okay. it was housing. And as a result of that, you know uh, the names of lots of um, varieties of wood in their yes, we, Latin we, in their Latin nomenclature. When yes. I came home and when I was on the teletype, I said to my dad, my dad would say, I want to buy 10 cars of Douglas fir. And I would say, you mean Suda Suda Taxifolia. My father thought I was insane. He said, <laughs> look, I didn't send you to college, so I couldn't understand you. 
<laughs> you have to learn like I talk, not like they talk. <laughs> so that was part of it. And then I, I branched out to do other things, shopping centers and other things. But I, my early career was in the housing and lumber business. Of course, we then took that all over the country, um, the West Coast, the East Coast, all over. Do you feel that Warrensville Heights was um, a big learning experience for you? Well, everything was a learning experience because nobody knew anything. It's, it's, people can't understand it because they look at the way things are. But we didn't know literally what we were doing. So, you know, we, we would build a model home and there was this enormous pent-up demand because 12, 13 million soldiers came home. Wow. And they all had the bill of r the right to go to college, uh, which a lot of them took advantage of. And jobs were very plentiful because you went from a wartime uh, situation where everything was exported out. The war wasn't fought here, it was fought Europe and Japan. So during the war we made triggers for the government with my Uncle Harry who had a company called St. Clair Builders that did masonry, provided cement. So the builders would buy that from them, buy the lumbering lot from us. And it was just a boom time that uh, we never really saw in that way again because it was such an insatiable demand. Didn't you also uh Tell me that Forest City had some contribution to the war effort in terms of... Well, what we did, we made boxes for what were then bombs for Goodyear. Okay. And then we made triggers with Michael Harriet, H and I machinery for guns. The boxes were wood boxes? The boxes you had the were lumber. wood boxes, yeah. Okay. And it, you couldn't get lumber to build houses. There were very few houses built during that period of time. So that was a good shift for a number of years. Well, you, you, the thing about... My dad and uncle, as they were very, and my Aunt Fanny, my mom, they were very inventive. They always were somehow able to figure out what was next and were ahead of that curve. That's a good lesson to learn, to be paying attention. Your radar's always up. Well, Stay yeah, plugged but, in. but what, what you learn, I was very fortunate. My father said to me, I'm going to let you have a lot of authority. You'll talk to people. I won't. I want you to make mistakes while I'm here, not when I'm not here, I can't help you. Wow. So I had a lot of authority. So I was a young kid, I was 23, 24 years old, I think when we went down to see Clark. Mm -hmm. And I literally didn't know what I was doing or what money was worth. I knew what work was because I had worked, but I, that money, there wasn't money, it wasn't like it is now. You weren't buying cars. When I was a kid, till after I got married, uh, it was a very different time. How afraid were you when you went to that meeting? You, you weren't afraid because okay. you didn't even know what to be afraid of. <laughs> you, and you, you had Jack with you. Well, I not only had Jack with me; I went with Jack. Okay. Because Jack had made the contact with Clark. Okay. So it wasn't it, the pressure was more on him than me. <laughs> I was there to help him figure it out. And it sounds like growing up, um, you had a lot of exposure to whatever was going on with the business. There's um, a quote I read that said, uh, you know, we grew up around the table, or at least your dad, one of your uncles. Well, I think for, for the kids of my father and Uncle Max who were 
brothers, uh, all of their children, my four cousins, my sister and I, um, when we would have dinner, we'd always have dinner together, my sister Ruth, my mom Lily, my dad Leonard, and myself. And the, the subject matter was what my mom did, what my dad did, and what we did. Mm -hmm. And my mom was very much involved with charity as well as the business, so we grew up listening to what was happening in the city and listening to what was happening in real estate, then we'd tell them what was going on in school. Mm -hmm. We weren't as interested in what was going on in school because we knew that as to who they had solicited for something or what builder sold a house. So it was a pretty constant conversation. And you didn't even know you were having it, it's just what you did. So some of the stuff I get a kick out of leadership courses. We, we never had those kind of things. We just, it was our life. Yeah. And you went to Cleveland Heights High School, correct? I went, uh, we moved up to the Heights and I was seven years old and we finished um, high school in January 46. I had a basket, I played basketball in high school. Had a basketball scholarship to reserve started in January of 46, enlisted in the Army when the war was over, because I always thought I'd be in it, went in in August of 46, came out in March of uh, 1948. Where were you stationed? Uh, I was stationed in Fort Eustis, Virginia for BASIC, which I BASIC didn't give us. We packed a lot of the war material that was coming back. Went out to Fort Washington for just a week or so, and then we shipped to Fort Benning where I spent Georgia, Columbus, Georgia, where I spent the bulk of my time, and I played basketball, so I didn't do anything different <laughs> in those years, just wore a different uniform. So when you drive around um, Warrensville Heights now, how do you feel? These buildings are still standing, they're in excellent condition. Yeah, well, it's, it's very interesting to me because Warrensville Heights, in my mind, is uh, one of the really unusual success stories in my mind when I look at what's happened to the area around here. One of the things we did, uh, we were partners with the Siegler family in building Southgate. So I knew the whole area very, very well, and Southgate at the time was a wonderful shopping center. If you look around today and you see Maple Heights and you see Garfield Heights and you see Bedford. Those cities, in my mind, have suffered much more and in my mind, as I look around and I'm shocked to come to this library uh, and see this complex. Shocked in what? In shocked in how you have, Warrensville Heights seems to have, uh, as a community, uh, done a much better job in maintaining values um, and uh, it, it can only be due to leadership. Uh, it wasn't that the other places had bad leadership. What happened is people left the city, went to the suburbs. As people made more money, they moved out to other places. So one of the disadvantages of being one of the early suburbs is the fact that you had the smaller houses and as things got bigger and better, you finished off Shaker Heights and you finished off Peachwood. So I think this is 
I mean, the fact that you and I are sitting here having this discussion in and of itself, this is the first time in all this time that I've had a conversation with anybody around here about this subject. So I just think that you've had, you've been blessed with really good mayors. Uh, you seem to have a decent school system. And uh, I know the apartments uh, that, that we have, the Clarkwood apartments, have always done well. And the city is very well zoned with a substantial amount of uh, commercial property. Well, that's part of it. Part of the problem for some of the other cities is the fact that they didn't have Northfield Road and that uh, therefore they became bedroom communities. And it's very hard for a bedroom community to survive unless it's very wealthy um, and larger homes that can pay the tax, that can mm -hmm. support small governments. You have a lot of people living here, mm -hmm. so you have a lot of expense. And it helps you, notwithstanding the fact that, interesting enough, the housing has done better than the commercial, as it's turned out. But the fact, I think, that Highland Hills came along uh, has been a good thing for this this whole area. So I think that uh, this is a wonderful place for people to live. And I look at this library and I see the people coming in and I see the kids. It's, it's a wonderful place to live. Well, we have you to thank for getting it started. So um, I think everyone you know, owes you a debt of gratitude. And I certainly appreciate having you here and taking the time to talk to me. Happy to do it. My final comment would be, you don't understand what you're doing when you're doing it. But what I think if I look at our company, what we were given were opportunity. And we tried to do was to see that we could give other people opportunity while making a good profit and them having a good life. And I think Warrensville Heights is something we're very, very proud of. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.